and welcome to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast, where every week we explore different stories around water that include safe water projects, trends in the water space, and blue mind. We hope you enjoy listening, and now here's your host, Kevin Sofen. Responsible World, what's going on? Today, really epic interview with the executive and co-founder of Force Blue, Jim Ritterhoff. The internet connection is a little spotty at times, but overall, you're able to understand most of the conversation. Jim is a great storyteller, and we're going to learn about what is Force Blue and how they're taking retired veterans that are trained divers and bringing them and putting them into the ocean to help with coral reef restoration efforts. We're going to dive into the ocean conservation part along with the military aspect and look at the intersection between water and psychology, dive into different aspects of Blue Mind, and learn about what Force Blue is doing in 2019 and how you can get involved. Hope you enjoy listening, and take care. Hello, everyone. Today, we're honored to sit down with Jim Ritterhoff, the executive and co-founder of Force Blue. Jim, really excited to have you in the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thanks for having me, man. Right on. For those of us who don't have any idea about you and Force Blue, could you give us a little bit about on your background and then kind of how that started to the formation of Force Blue? Yeah, the interesting thing is I myself am not a veteran, but I grew up in a small steel town in Pennsylvania. Very much. My, my father was a World War II veteran. My uncles all served in, in World War II. My brother-in-law was in Vietnam. So I always equate it to like if people are familiar with the deer hunter, that's kind of where I grew up. And there's just a big reverence for the military. So it's something that's always just been a part of me. But my personal background is as a writer. You know, I, I graduated from college in Pennsylvania. I went to graduate school, got a journalism degree. I moved to New York and basically fell into advertising and marketing which is where the focus of my career was. But I've always been, since I was about 17 years old, I've been a scuba diver. And I've been around the world. I've had the opportunity, both through work and just personal travel, to really dive the world over. And it's something that has been a big passion of mine. And about 10 years ago, I sort of, because I was working with a client in the Cayman Islands, the actual government of the Cayman Islands, helping to promote their tourism, I had an opportunity to get involved in marine conservation in a big way. I actually was on the board of directors of a marine institute on the island of Little Cayman. And as a communications professional, you know, my role in the marine conservation kind of struggle has always been to try to bring awareness of what's happening to our oceans, our coral reefs and whatnot to the largest possible audience. So um, as luck would have it, and this is really the genesis of Force Blue, a few years ago, a very dear friend of mine, a guy named Rudy Reyes, who's a former recon Marine, which is, you know, the elite branch of the Marine Corps. I hadn't seen him in a few years, and I ran into him in New York. And if you know Rudy, if anyone's familiar with the show Generation Kill that was on HBO, Rudy was actually played himself in that. But if anyone knows Rudy, they understand that he's one of the fittest, most energetic, charismatic people on the planet, right? But when I saw him, this is three years ago. There was something just off about him. I could tell. And we had a long conversation. He revealed to me that he'd had a lot of trouble in his assimilation back after he'd gotten out of the Marine Corps. Just a lot of depression, you know, struggle with, with addiction. And it had gotten to the point where he was actually had to go to a uh, forced rehab for 14 months. And he had just gotten out. And it was just coincidence that I was going the following week back down to Cayman to go diving, staying with a friend of mine who was general manager of the dive resort in the Cayman Islands, a guy named Keith Sam, who's a former Coast Guard veteran. 
And I just said, you know, hey, Rudy, why don't you come with me, man? You know, because he, he basically is like, oh, I'm so jealous. You're going scuba diving. I haven't been diving since the military. I would really love to do that. And I was like, come with me. And he's like, I can't afford that. And I was like, you know what? Give me a day. I called Keith. I explained Rudy's situation. And he said, just get him down here. So upshot is took Rudy down there. We spent a week. Keith and I and Rudy spent a week diving together. And we just saw... He said to us, you know, this has done more for me this week than any therapy, any rehab I've ever been through. So the three of us sat down and and started talking. And we were like, you know, he was like, I got to get more of my guys down here. And that's when we sort of said, wait a second, our challenge on the marine conservation side, and Keith has been very involved in this as well down in Cayman. Our challenge is that, you know, people who understand and care about what's happening to our oceans already know about the problems. But there's this whole 50% 50% of the population that in this kind of polarized political world that we live in right now aren't getting the message, right? And maybe we call it our Reese's peanut butter cup moment. Like we were like, well, maybe there's a way to do some good for the veterans who are coming back who are really looking for a new mission, right? As part of their assimilation back, like how can I take the training I have and apply it to something in the civilian world? Maybe there's a way to help those guys, but at the same time, utilize them to help reach an audience that may not listen to another climate change scientist or, you know, another environmentalist talk about what's going on with our oceans. So that was really the genesis of it. It was this trip we took and we said, hey, this idea of taking former special operations veterans, all military trained combat divers, men and women who governments have already invested millions of dollars in, right, to make incredible underwater operators to turn around now and retrain retool and redeploy those people to do some good for the planet. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So that was three years ago. And I'm happy to say that, you know, what looked good on paper has actually borne out and is an idea that a lot of people are behind and we're having some tremendous success just in the real year and a half that we've been operational. That's fantastic. Long sort of story, but it's it, it really the truth is it started where a lot of really good things do. And that was just you know, a couple friends trying to help another friend and kind of taking it from there. And I think that that's something that's very special about will always be very special to me, no matter how big Force Blue gets or where we go. It started because, you know, I wanted to help a friend and another friend of mine said, let's do this. So I love it. I mean, I think anytime you start an effort and you do it for the right reasons and not trying to have any sort of ulterior motives, it's going to turn out for the best. And I really, really commend you for the work you've done. And I also am not a veteran, but really strive to do everything possible to try and support and understand and engage with veterans. And I think it's really important what you're doing because there's a lot that we can dive into here. And I want to kind of hit both these topics from both the Mm -hmm. military veteran side and then the ocean conservation side. And to start on the ocean conservation side, to give us a little context on that, you, you talk about you're taking these veterans diving. When you're taking them diving, what are they doing? And then what aspect within the coral reef restoration that you're doing? What what are you doing with that process? And why is that important? And, and maybe also touch on the aspect of engaging with non-ocean activists. Yeah. Okay. Well, and this is a really important point of sort of delineation for Force Blue. We are not a dive therapy program. Okay. There are a lot of very good programs that cater to adaptive, you know, wounded veterans, adaptive divers. And really their focus is to introduce people to scuba 
and to being underwater and diving. And that's therapeutic in and of itself. That's not what we do. Okay. Our guys are already the best divers in the world. Like I said, governments have, have made them that. We bill ourselves as a mission therapy program. And what that means is we take guys who already are very comfortable in the water, have, through their military training, have become you know amazing operators in the water. And we just give them through environmental missions, like, you know, this is what we're getting the band back together to go do good. And it's a service. You know, the therapy is really mission and service. You know, we always say these are servicemen and women. All they want to do is, you know, go out and fight for things that can't fight for themselves and continue to do, you know, that thing that is larger than themselves. Right. Which is what the military service was defined by. That's what we're giving them back. So in terms of the actual we do, it's really myriad. We started with coral reef restoration and preservation, and that's really where we're focused right now. But moving forward, I, I see us evolving into basically anything marine-based that we can help with will be a great workforce for. But the genesis for the coral reef conservation stuff all began with, and I should back up and tell you, this is sort of the process that we use to onboard our divers, right? When we know whether it's through, you know, personal contacts that some of our, our veterans already have in the community or via our website where people can reach out and tell us, hey, I have the qualifications you're looking for. I would like to be a part of this. We basically put together a pool of guys. We train them at six guys at a time, like a team, small special operations team. And we put them through a what has been a two-week program that we're probably condensing going forward. But to really reintroduce them to the water as a conservationist. And we have a cadre of instructors who are not veterans, who are just environmentalists and marine scientists. And they work with the guys for two weeks, teaching them everything about the ecosystem in the ocean, like what a coral reef actually is, why it's threatened, what's happening worldwide to our reefs, the problems that are out there. And then we give them actual tangible ways that they can make a difference. And we teach them how to do that. And then we go out and deploy. So we did our very first onboard. We call them recruitment and training exercises. We did the very first one in May of 2017. Immediately after that, as luck would have it, and I always say it was lucky for us, wasn't so lucky for the people of Florida or Puerto Rico, Hurricanes Irma and Maria in very short order in 2017 and, and really ravaged the area of Florida and the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. So immediately through a contact that we had as part of our instructor staff, we were introduced to a guy named Tom Moore who runs all restoration efforts for NOAA, coral restoration efforts. There was a big need in the Florida Keys immediately after Hurricane Irma to hit to get down there and help rescue some of these corals that had been ripped off the reef by the storm. So in October of 2017, we deployed for about 10 days to Florida Keys. And really, you know, that's where our bona fides was born, really. We acquitted ourselves very well. We sort of blew away all the scientists and, and environmentalists who were working with us because we're such an amazing workforce in the water, right? And I think our pinnacle accomplishment was we were able to rescue this 800-pound pillar coral that's highly, highly, I mean, there may be only four colonies of these left, highly endangered pillar coral that centuries old, 800 pounds had been ripped off the reef and was going to suffocate, basically. And our guys got in the water and in 20 minutes had six lift bags on this thing and were able to lift it and pull it back onto the reef and cement it down. And I think that just opened a lot of eyes about the potential of our workforce. So immediately following that, we were asked to go to Puerto Rico. We sent a team of guys there 
for a month and a half, really just doing the same thing, doing restoration efforts, picking up fragments that had been broken and reattaching them to the reef. At that point, the Ocean Conservancy, which is another large environmental player, big lobbying, they do a lot of lobbying work in D.C., heard about us and asked us to go back to Puerto Rico to document what we were doing. And then from there, we were invited to Capitol Hill to kind of share what we had done and to introduce ourselves. Because it's not just about reaching individuals who may not be getting the message. It helps work in the political sphere because, you know, there are a lot of very conservative legislators out there who maybe, you know, aren't interested in talking to environmental groups, but will talk to a veteran special operations group. And now we've just built from there we did our second training deployment this summer. We, we brought another six guys on, so we now have two functioning teams. And the interesting thing is in August of this year, we were invited by Florida, the state of Florida, to come back down and help. There's a disease event that's happening in the corals of the Florida Coral Reef Tract that's really an extinction-level type event. And we were contracted to come down there and help. And basically what we said to the state of Florida, they asked us what we were prepared to do. And we said, how about if we move all our operations down there for the next three years and try to give you guys 300 dive days a year, just working on every facet of conservation and protection. We call it rescue, preserve, and restore. Can you expand on that? What are, besides like taking broken coral and putting it back, what are some other things that your tangible workforce is doing when they're down working with them? Yeah. Well, as we speak, we have a team of, of five divers in Florida who are helping the state Department of Environmental Protection. And no, we're working, we're partnered with Nova Southeastern University, who are the scientists that are leading this effort. But what we're doing is a disease interdiction effort. And what that means is our guys are diving into the water. As I mentioned, there's this disease that's kind of sweeping through the Florida coral reef tract. And the best way to think about it is it's almost like firefighting. Like it's been in the news a lot lately about the way we, you know, whether it's smoke jumpers who jump into a firefight to try to stop a forest fire, to try to set up breaks to stop the spread of the fire. It's very similar to what we're doing in underwater in the Florida Keys. Our guys are actually finding colonies of coral that have just started to show signs of the disease and are basically building a firewall to try to protect the healthy areas, you know, and that, that basically means cutting trenches into individual pieces of coral and then filling them with either an antibiotic or a chlorine that will hopefully stop the disease from infecting the rest of the colony. So, But a lot of it's trial and error because there's a lot of unknowns about this particular disease. It's much more aggressive than typical coral diseases. It's impacting some of the bigger species, the bigger like brain corals and, you know, really iconic pieces of the coral. So it's it's... You know, it's a lot of learning on the fly, but the guys are down there and we basically are, are going to be doing this over the next four months, this particular project. But then beyond that, to answer your question, we're getting engaged hopefully in April of this year to do a green sea turtle rescue mission also in Florida. There's another disease that is affecting a lot of the green sea turtle population of Florida. We're going to be trying to wrangle these turtles and quarantine them and, and learn more about the disease. We're doing that with an organization called the Turtle Hospital in Marathon, Florida, and with Dr. Betty Zirkelbeck. But then there's just a lot of other opportunities, you know, everything from like reestablishing mooring buoys to help clearly define the Florida Marine Sanctuary. Because you have to remember all of Florida, the entire coral reef track, which stretches from Martin County, you know, just north of Miami, all the way down to the Dry Tortugas is actually a national park. 
is a marine sanctuary. And a lot of the mooring mark that have been delayed by hurricanes or ripped away. There's something like 400 mooring buoys that need to be installed. So we'll be doing that work. There's a huge problem globally, but in particular, again, in Florida with ghost gear, you know, lobster traps that have broken free of their moorings and are now, you know, littering the bottom of the ocean. There, there's something like 60,000 ghost lobster traps in Florida alone. You know, so we'll be getting involved in cleaning that up, marine debris. So literally, there's no shortage of work, let's put it that way, that needs to be done. In particular, the reason why we're focused on Florida so exclusively right now is that the people don't realize, but the Florida Coral Reef Track, in addition to being one of the largest coral reefs in the world, it's the only coral reef track in the continental United States. And it's responsible for more jobs and more revenue, even though it's about a hundredth the size of the Great Barrier Reef in Australia that everybody's familiar with. It's responsible for more revenue and more jobs in the Great Barrier Reef. So to jump on that, mm-hmm. it's I think that's so significant about providing jobs and revenue. And I think people would be surprised to hear that, but Could you elaborate on, this may seem just like a stupid question, but why are coral reefs important? Like, What do coral reefs do and why is it something that we need to protect? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I'm not a marine scientist and I don't even play one on TV or pretend to be one in podcasts, but I'll give you my understanding, very, you know, kind of a yeoman's understanding of this stuff. And I think it'll put it into context of why this fight is so important. Basically, coral reefs, right, are like the rainforests of the underwater world, right? So we're all familiar with what rainforests do for the planet, right? They generate oxygen. Very big problem, as, as people are aware, the planet is becoming, you know, we're, we're, our atmosphere is really becoming inundated with CO2. And coral reefs, just like rainforests, are responsible for, like, helping to alleviate that. But the real, some real startling statistics, facts that you hear is that And this is the one I love the most, is that we don't realize it, but one out of every three breaths we take come from the ocean, okay? That's what a large oxygen provider of the ocean is. Coral reefs, which make up 1% of the ocean floor, all right, are responsible for generating more oxygen than all the rainforests on the planet combined. So think about that, right? We need healthy oceans to have a healthy planet, period. Right. And coral reefs are a big part of that. While they comprise only one percent of the ocean floor, they're also responsible for over 40 percent of all marine life in the ocean. Right. Coral reefs are where fish go to have little fish. Right. They are where creatures basically begin their lives. And they are this interdependent ecosystem that if one little part of it goes off track, it goes all the way up to the tropic cascade to, you know, the apex predators, sharks. It's like a very confined, contained ecosystem that cannot be replaced, right? And that's what coral reefs, that's sort of the import. Now, when you talk about from an economic perspective, I mean, it's pretty simple. Think about the Florida Keys. Think about how many individuals down there, whether it's tourism, whether it's fishing, whether it's restaurants, how many of them are dependent on a healthy reef and healthy fish populations to make a living? And, you know, when you think that they generate $6.3 billion worth of revenue from the Florida Coral Reef Track alone, it's the kind of thing that unless you're involved, unless you, you see the problem firsthand, unless you're a diver and unless you, you, you're a fisherman who depends on these reefs, you're not aware of, right? Because unlike rainforests, which we can all, you know, I always used to joke when I was little or when my kids were little, they used to yell at me for using too much paper in the printer, 
because I was killing a rainforest, right? Like they understood that because we see trees. But unless you're a diver or unless you're like intimately acquainted with what's going on under the water, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And we're sort of hoping that Force Blue can be a platform to really introduce more people, not only to, you know, what our oceans mean to us, but why this fight to save them is so essential, so critical to everyone. So I hope that gives you a little idea of what we're doing, you know, in particular right now, as I said, Florida, but we're in discussions with, with people in Hawaii to go there later this year, American Samoa. The good news is there's a lot of people out there who see the value in, in what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And again, as I said, that whole other part, which is the platform, people who aren't going to listen to another climate change scientist talk about what's happening to our oceans will listen to Navy SEALs. No doubt become marines because you know they're their heroes so absolutely and I, I really like how you phrase it i mean a lot of people maybe don't really realize this, the significance of how coral reefs are the habitat that allow the basis the bottom of the ecosystem to serve the apex predator which is so yep. tied with our economics our food chain and you did a great job from a non-scientific perspective, but really, you know, someone I could tell was in the weeds of really explaining that. So thank you. And and what I want to move towards as as we as we kind of start to close out here is back to the military side and the veterans. And these are veterans that serve our country and now are looking for that opportunity to assimilate back into to modern life and have some type of purpose. And I would love to kind of hear examples of how you've seen the aspect of being underwater with the connection to Blue Mind and yep. the aspect of teamwork and what that's meant for people in your organization and different veterans that may be out there that are looking to get involved. Yeah, I think that, you know, as civilians and just the general population, we have some misperceptions and misconceptions about what post traumatic stress disease is and how it manifests itself, right? And we can hear these really alarming, troubling statistics like the fact that 22 veterans a day are committing suicide and sort of, you know, push that aside and be like, well, that's as a result of, you know, things that they've experienced, they've seen and done. And obviously that plays a part. You know, we put these guys, men and women, in some very difficult circumstances and they see things and, and they're asked to do things that have lasting effect. We understand that. But I think the bigger thing that we don't get is that a lot of the guys, particularly in the special operations community, you know, their issues are not related directly to their experience in the sense of like, they're fine with what they did. That was their job, right? The problem is, especially when you're talking about guys who've been deployed for 10 years, right? I mean, let's think of it. We've been at war basically for 18 years, right? And some of these guys have multiple combat tours, seven, eight combat tours, right? And the issue is when they come back, that's gone. There's no more mission. You can't simply pick these guys up, put them in a cubicle and say, get on with the rest of your life, right? That's that's not how they're wired. They've been wired to be elite service people for so long that that's what they know. And really all we're trying to do is say, look, you can still serve. And there is a cause, there is a fight going on that needs you. You know, and we're very careful, and this is where the Blue Mind part comes in, because Jay Nichols, Wallace Jay Nichols, who you referenced, who wrote the book Blue Mind, happens to be one of our instructors. He's actually, you know, a very dear friend of mine, but he's been involved with Force Blue since its inception. 
because what he's able to offer these guys is a chance to say, like, look, we want you to rethink about the water. You've always seen it as part of a obstacle to be overcome, a mission that it was just something you had to fight through to go complete a mission, whether that was to rescue someone or to blow something up or whatever your military mission was, the water was just an obstacle to go through it. Now we're asking them to think of it not just as a community that is at threat, which is all they've ever done in their lives is defend communities at threat that are at risk, but is their medicine, really. It's like, this is an opportunity for you to take skills that the military gave you, put them to use for good, but at the same time, use that, the virtue of that, and the helping as a therapy for you and as something to get you back. And I have absolutely, I can't, you know, we don't have qual- years of qualitative research to show you how it's impacted the guys. All I can tell you is the anecdotes and the qualitative that I've seen from these guys. And it's the phrase we like to use is it's like the light comes back on, right? Is you've got guys who are struggling, who are trying to figure out what, you know, what they're going to do with their lives. And suddenly we've given them back that sense of mission and purpose. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go too far because we are a small organization and I don't want to put too much into any one individual with names or anything like that. But I know firsthand we've had guys who just drink themselves to death. You know, they were on that path or to, you know, get involved in something that wasn't probably going to be good for them in the long term. And we've given them an off ramp to be able to get back to what they're good at and to be able to get back to that, again, that purpose greater than themselves. And you just see it. And the really remarkable thing for me, because again, when we had this idea and I, I explained to you where it came from and it looked good on paper, sure. These guys are really highly trained. Why not utilize them to do good for the planet? It seemed like a good idea on paper, but there was no promise, no guarantee that veterans, you know, SEALs and scientists come from very different worlds. And it would have been the easiest thing in the world for a scientist to be like, oh, who are these knuckle draggers? I don't really want to like deal with them. Or vice versa, it would have been very easy for our special operations veterans to be like, please, who are these scientists? I don't, you know, they're not going to tell me anything of any value, you know, but that didn't happen. What has happened is that both sides have really embraced each other. And I see as much change, honestly, in the scientists who we're working with as I see in our veterans. Our scientists are starting to like, there's a human connection that is being made that is making both sides really respect and love, frankly, the other side and want to help them. And that, I mean, we had scientists, our first training deployment, who were supposed to be there for one day to give a very specific lecture about, you know, fish identification or something, who at the end of that came to me and said, I'm not leaving. I'm staying the rest of this. I want to go through this with these guys and I'll pay my own way. You know, that's the kind of bond that is being formed. And it's really remarkable. You know, power with this, this model, bringing together two very disparate worlds. You know, we like to say we don't care if you get on the boat from the left side or the right side. We're all in the same boat. Right. But this model of bringing together two very different worlds and not trying to convince the other one that they're wrong or to demonize the other side for their beliefs, but to instead say you care about veterans. You think we need to be doing more for our men and women. Get on board. Maybe you don't believe in veterans as much, but you believe we need to do something that we're killing our planet and you want to do something about that. Get on board. Guess what? We're all together. I think there's a model that we've created with this 
that extends far beyond just what we're doing in our oceans, but is really a model for sort of cooperation going forward in this partisan world that we live in. So, Man, I love it. And I, I think that you hit the nail on the head in terms of looking at establishing those human connections between different people that probably before were either intimidated or just didn't even know how to approach the other side. Yeah. And, and even me being a non-veteran were... I never really knew what veteran life was like or what life was like in the military until I spent time with them. And as you yeah. start to ask questions and learn a little bit more about what it's like to train, what it's like to deploy, what it's like to reassimilate, you just wouldn't know unless you did it or spent time with them. And then from the scientist side, like I'm, I'm not a marine biologist, so I didn't do that. And neither did, did non-marine scientists people. So to bring that connection together, and, and I love the whole phrase, one team, one fight. Yeah. That's really what it's about, where we're not talking about politics. We're talking about people. We're talking about ocean conservation. We're talking about a long, healthy life in the whole long, healthy world. And you really epitomize that. And really, I think with the whole blue mind connection of finding that intersection between water and psychology, to yeah. me, is a, a, one of the many things I love about Force Blue. But something that really can be replicated around the country. And I think it's something that there's a lot of other veterans, scientists out there that I'm sure want to learn about force flu and get connected. So I'm excited to expand that connection a little bit more. And, and to kind of finish out here, I'd love to know more on what do you have planned for the rest of 2019? What's coming up? It's January now. What's going on the rest of this year? Well, our focus, as I said, we're in the water right now in Florida. We hope to continue through there, doing all sorts of work down there for the next two or three years. We've been approached by other locales who want us to get involved there, and we're open to all that. We're doing another training deployment this summer. We're also expanding. We have received our scientific diver certification through NAWI, which is important because that gives us what's called reciprocity and allows us to go on scientific operations basically around the world. But we're going to be expanding because, you know, we are very tip of the spear. We are a special operations community, military trained combat diver. That's kind of our criterion. But we obviously want to expand to just be able to include more veterans, right? Guys who maybe weren't divers as part of their military career, but got out, got their scuba certification and now want to help. So we're going to be expanding to have a program of Force Blue Scientific Assistant Divers that will be open to all veterans who dive. And we're also doing a program that will allow civilians as volunteers, a volunteer diver program, to go through our protocols and dive with us. So that's a way to really expand our ranks as we move on. I mean, my goal, honestly, in five years is to have a international organization. We already have two British Royal Marines. We have, well, British Royal Marine and a special boat service veteran as part of our first two teams. But I've been approached through our website. You know, we've had divers, special operations guys from Australia, Egypt, Brazil, Germany, you know, Israel, everywhere, reach out to us and say, how can we get involved? And I really want to see a day where Force Blue is an international organization. And at any one time, we're running two, three teams around the world, you know, working out, just working on missions. So that's kind of the long-term goal. You know, we're very excited. There's a chance that I won't go too far into it because it's not a done deal yet. But there's a chance we may a actual reality series about what we're doing maybe is in the offing, be in development, perhaps help us expand the message of what Force Blue is all about. But, you know, for the short term, it's just about getting word out there. We are a 100 percent volunteer organization right now. Our guys are paid, which is another distinction. This is not our guys are basically paid a GSA government contract rate, which is the same that they would get if they 
you know, went back and, and worked for a paramilitary organization and solely dependent on donations and fundraising right now. So I encourage anybody who's listening to visit our website. It's very simple. It's forcebluetem, T-E-A-M dot O-R-G. If you believe in what we're doing, you want to play a part in our success, you know, please go on there and donate. We're going to be building out a store where you can get, you know, this wonderful force blue hat that I'm wearing and, and some T-shirts and hoodies and whatnot that we have. But it's important that everybody understand we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and every dollar we raise goes directly to putting one of our special operations veterans back into the water. So, you know, we've got very ambitious plans, but, you know, with this group of individuals, I think anything's possible. (laughs) I love it. Well, you really have a great vision and outlook, and it's it's been a truly a pleasure hearing and learning from you. And, and both my company, Darley, and, and my charity, Responsible, are really happy and excited to contribute and support you in 2019 moving forward. Really, so many different things that we could continue talking about, and hopefully yeah. in the future, maybe we could even interview some of the members of Force Blue. Love it. Yeah. And, that's, that's another thing, is that we know it's very important to us that our guys be be willing to be advocates, right? Both for veterans issues and for conservation issues. So, you know, when we recruit our guys, one of the things we ask them is, are you willing to share your story? Because there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of that, you know, they're really force multipliers for all the veterans in the scientific community to get the word out. So I would love it if you took the time to interview some of our guys, that would be great. Right on. Well, we'll talk about that more in the future here, but Jim, you, you truly are a great storyteller. I can see where the origins came from, from some of the initial reporting and journalism and to really creating a, a force for good and force blue. So thanks for everything you've done and, and look forward to next time. All right, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me, man. Forceblueteam.org. Tell all your friends. <laughs> Man, so what did I take from this episode? It was a really insightful discussion with Jim and so many different things from both the ocean conservation part and the military part that really struck me. From the ocean conservation part to hearing how coral reefs are impacted after hurricanes and then what their team is doing to actually go and pick up these broken pieces and then take cement and put these coral reefs back so we can make sure that these reefs can be rebuilt and bring life to people. I found that was really cool and other things that they're doing like picking up ghost lobster traps and even our trash and kind of how we can think of as fishermen and just stewards of the ocean where, hey, our trash is going somewhere. So, hey, try not to be such a wasteful or kind of careless about some of the things that you're doing, whether you're fishing or just being a hobbyist. And remember that all your trash and stuff goes somewhere. So don't just rely on someone else to do it. Um, and then looking at, again, like how important coral reefs are from absorbing some of the shock and impact from some of the waves that are coming in, but also looking at what it does for jobs and revenue and tourism and so many things about why coral reefs are so important in so many aspects to daily life. I also thought it was interesting how we talked about how they're kind of the rainforest and the underwater world and how they produce more oxygen than rainforest. I'm going to have to research that a little bit more, but that's just absolutely fascinating. And then from the veteran side, as I had stated, I'm not a veteran, but looking at, man, it's really crazy to think about, well, what is it like to jump back into normal life after you've been deployed for one, five, 10, 20 years? And it's 
kind of hard to just kind of jump back into life. And granted, it's a little bit of a stretch connection, but I, I kind of look at it with the Hunger Games. I mean, if any of you read those books where you go into this arena and then you, if you win, hopefully don't die, they were able to you try and come back out of the games. And it's kind of hard to just go back into normal life after you've been trained to do different missions that involved sometimes killing people or whatever it may be the mission was. And kind of hard to just reassimilate back into normal life. So what force blue has done is giving these veterans an opportunity to have a purpose to do something and get after a a purpose with their skill set and i find that to be so fascinating maybe one of my favorite things about force blue is that connection between people whether it's with diver seals and scientists or just average joe blow that is interested in supporting veterans and ocean conservation and force blue is really a model for how we can bring people together to do good for themselves for the planet and come together under one team, one fight. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know if you liked anything. Slide into our DMs at Responsible. Hit me up at my email, Responsible, W-R-I-S-T-S-P-O-N-S-I-B-L-E at gmail.com or on my personal account at Kevin Sofen. Love you guys. Much love. Take care. Keep it real.